panel tonight. I'm just the moderator. I think you have three incredible preachers sitting up here. And I am just honored to be among them. You know them, you think, but I'm going to introduce them. And I would imagine that as I introduce them, I'm going to tell you at least one thing about them that you don't know. So, let's see if, let's see if I do that. The first one is Sister Marlis Shields, my f- beautiful friend. She has been married to the same man for 46 happy years. She is mother to, yes, that deserves a hand clap. She's mother to two children, Marcy, 45, Aaron, 42, and grandma to one really cute and smart six-year-old boy. She really enjoys reading, paper crafting. How many of you have ever received a homemade, handmade, I should say, handmade card from Sister Shields? I have, and they are incredible. She, she just has this gift. In fact, all crafts, she loves that. She loves sewing. She's a housewife, a homemaker, but a former IU secretary. Whenever I ask them to give me information, I ask them what their kingdom calling was. And she came back and she said, I really don't know what my kingdom calling is. And I said, well, I know what your kingdom calling is. She is an encourager. If you have ever had a conversation with Sister Shields, you leave encouraged. You leave encouraged in the Lord by her. And I have never experienced it personally, just simply because of our schedule. But she also has the gift of hospitality. During um, uh, More Than Enough, our More Than Enough building campaign, what she did to raise money for more than enough, she, on Friday and Saturday nights, cooked a meal in her home and sold tickets and, inv- <laughs> and invited people into her home to eat a home-cooked meal. I think that's the gift of hospitality. She and her husband drive an hour, I guess, about an hour each way to service, and they're here all the time. So I thank God for Sister Shields. Would you make her welcome? The next is Tico Goda, and he and his beautiful wife, Alexi, who was in here. She's still in here? Yes. Raise your hand high. Yes. They celebrated 20 years in June, and I will just say that that was the weekend we had all of the ministers here from uh, around where we had done the little conference that week, and before they left that afternoon to go on their 20th anniversary trip, they cooked lunch and served it to all the ministers who had stayed over for Sunday. And that just tells you right there. And then they left and flew out at like 7 or something that evening. But instead of going home and packing and getting ready, they were serving during the time of the hours right before they left. So I think that says a lot about them. They have five children. Trenton, 23. Sawyer, 17. Aubrey, 14. Addison, 13. Cooper, 11. And Peyton also lives with them as well. Is Peyton in here? I thought I saw her. Yeah, there's Peyton. She also, so I'm sure she's the sixth child, um, child by family. Yes. She, uh, Tico enjoys anything having to do with the outdoors, hunting, golfing. He loves mowing his lawn. And we need to talk about that. Um, He also loves spending time with his family. He works at Greenleaf as the vice president of sales and marketing. I asked him what his kingdom calling was, and he said, that's a great question. He said, I've never been called to a specific area, but I love working for and giving to the kingdom in whatever way possible. So maybe his kingdom calling is availability. That's just a possibility. Give Tico a hand. And then we have, last but certainly not least, Roman Harpole, or as my friends in the South say, Harpo. Oh, y'all go to the Harpo's church. Yeah, we go to the Harpo's church. Roman Harpole. 
He greatly enjoys music, listening, and playing. He also enjoys being with close friends and finding ways to make fun. And I totally related to that one right there. You never get too old to do that. I current, he currently works part-time at Greenleaf Incorporated. Uh, he is a full-time student at ISU majoring in supply chain management. So I think that's incredible. And I'd love to know more about it. And I loved his answer when I said, what is your kingdom calling? He said, my primary kingdom gift is music. But I have yet to find the answer from God what my calling is. And I love the fact that he did not confuse his gift with his calling. He said, as my father says, and as Brother Grant has reiterated, you will be frustrated when you can't fulfill your gifting." But you will forever be lost if you do not follow your calling. I have yet to find my calling, but I am praying, and God will give you a clear answer for that. I loved that answer. Give Roman a hand. So tonight is serving, call to serve our families. We're taking as our primary scripture for tonight, 1 Timothy 5 and 8. And I'm sure you've heard it before, but you may want to make a note of it or mark it down. But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. That's pretty strong. If any provide not for his own... And I looked that up and I challenge you to do it. We're not going to discuss that right now. I challenge you to look that up on your own when you get home. Go look up provide. Don't look it up in the dictionary. Look it up in the concordance and find out the original meaning of the original Greek word there. It's not just he that does not have a job and bring home the check so you can buy groceries. It doesn't just mean that. It means much more than that. It's far deeper than that. So I challenge you to go home and do your own study on that. So although that is our primary verse for tonight, actually the entire fifth chapter of 1 Timothy has a major bearing on tonight's focus, and we're going to talk more about that in a little bit. So if you have your Bibles with you, just keep them open to 1 Timothy 5, and we'll be referring back to that periodically during our discussion, and I think that some of them even have more scriptures to add to that, so you'll want to get your pen or your notebook or your phone or your uh, tablet out and uh, keep those notes. So we're going to begin with our first discussion point tonight. And our first discussion point is this question. What does it mean to you in your stage of life? And all three stages are different. What does it mean to you to serve my family? What does it mean to you? We're going to start, Tico, with you, if you'll just answer that question. Okay. I I thank Sister Schott because she gave us two weeks to figure this out. So we we had time to spend in prayer and fasting. Um, so what does it mean to me to serve my family? And so many things came to my mind um, from a father aspect, being, you know, having a small children up to larger children. Um, but protect, provide, being in prayer for my children, that was huge. And I thought about that, prayed about it, train, guide, listen, and advise. Um, but all those things, you know, it wasn't really what I, I really felt that was my true purpose. So whenever I was in prayer, thinking more and more, the two words came to me. It was time and balance. So, and whenever I talk about time, um, we teach the ten eleven class, and we were talking about listening to God this week in our in our class. I told them, I said, you know, uh, I've went and I've read an entire chapter in the Bible, and I don't. There was times whenever I read it and I didn't remember anything that I read. I hope I'm not the only one that's done that before. Maybe. Um, because I, I, my mind wasn't focused. And it's, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I thought about it. And, and, and then I have our 11-year-old Cooper. I get, I get him in the truck, and he's 11. He's a big-time talker. He loves to talk. And the same thing can be with that. He, he could be talking, and I may not be listening. But I, my, my mind may be going 100 mile an hour somewhere else. Um, so I've really been challenged whenever, during this time and uh, just 
really give them the time because we can get our minds clogged up with all kinds of stuff. We see so many things going on. We're busy with our day-to-day routine. Um, so time is a big thing. And whenever I give them of my time, and me and Lexi, whenever we do this, we can, uh, it's, it's all aspects. Um, they can see us, our time in, in prayer. They see that, and it's training them. You know, Proverbs twenty two sixteen says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So I really feel the most effective thing I can do is be there for my family, be there for my children, um, and let them see some examples. And Brother Shock hit on this too, but spiritual examples. You know, the best place for them to see commitment to the church, commitment to my wife, commitment to different, is for them to see it and me to be there and present and imprint, on, print, imprint that onto them. So um, devotions, if they're seeing me and my wife do our devotions, it's huge. It's going to imprint on their lives. Um, so I, that's where I need to serve my family is in my time. Um, and I got to have a balanced life because I know I can provide for them and I could work 80 hours a week and I could provide. But is that, if I spend all that time at work, if I, if I spend 80 hours a week, am I really spending, am I balanced out? Am I doing the right thing? Um, so time and balance, that's what I think. Excellent. And, and I appreciate so much what you said because uh, many times men, stereotypical, okay, I'm going there, but they will think that the best way they can serve their family is to provide, be steady income, provide um, that kind of thing, provide direction or whatever. You have touched on that nurturing part of a man. And the Bible says men are to nurture as well. And thank you for that. Thank you for not saying, okay, that's Alexi's job. I'm just going to bring home the bacon. You know, she's got to fry it. She's got to love the kids while she serves them. No, you're, you're taking part of that, which is biblical. So thank you. That, that is awesome. Excellent. Well put. Um, Sister Shields? Well, thank you. Thank you for uh, putting your trust in me to even allow to speak. I feel like someone else could do a much better job. But when I was asked to do this, I thought, well, first I need to know what it means to be a servant or to serve. And the dictionary says a servant is a devoted, helpful follower or supporter. So we devotion, we have our devotions, we devote our time and, and efforts to serving God, or it's a person who performs duties or jobs for others. And I had, so I had the question, is serving God being something or doing something? And serving God in the Old Testament always included uh, following his commandments or keeping his commandments. And Deuteronomy 11 and 1 says, Therefore there thou shalt love the Lord thy God and keep his charge and his statutes and his judgments and his commandments always. So uh, Luke 17 says, Doing the things commanded and no more makes you an unprofitable servant. So if we just do what's just an absolute necessity and don't go any farther that makes us just like unprofitable and not doing what God wants. Um, Galatians 5.13 says, but by love serve one another. So that means that our love has to go to someone else. Um, And I had just started, I started studying this and um, the scripture that the pastor used his text on Sunday was the scripture that popped out to me in Mark ten forty four, and whoso of you will be the chiefest of these shall be the servant of all. And I also was reminded about in the Bible, if a servant had been serving a master for six years, then he could be redeemed at the seventh year and go, go free but if he was in love with that master or he loved his place where he was at, that servant could allow his ear to be pierced through with an awl, which made him a part of that master's ownership from then on forever. And I thought that, that servant 
was marked then. He had a mark on him that made him be identified as that person's, own, you know, own, being owned by that uh, master. And I thought, we have a mark on us. We, we have to be identifiable as Christians. And I think, I think God has put a mark on, when we, we act as Christians, that we not only look like Christians, but we have to act like Christians. And it's the same scripture that Tico used in Proverbs 22 and 6, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it, was the first thought I had about serving my family. And we have an obligation to our families to teach by example, consistent faithfulness to the house of God and his service and giving. And our children will see when we show compassion to others who have less than us or need something that we can offer to them. Uh, we need to teach them about giving, t- giving and in ties with their allowance so that when they're older, they can know what it's like to already, they already have that practice in place so that when they have a job, that it's already an established pattern. Um, and th- so they must learn to provide. Uh, having regular meals around the table, I think, is very important as a family because I, I know that a lot of discussions at our family took, took place around the table, and I think it's because we consistently um, had meals, at least one meal a day, with the entire family. And I think that makes a difference <clears throat> in how you react to your kids and how they react to you because they see regularity and they know that they can come to you with questions during that time. Also, our bedroom at night, a lot of times the kids would come in and pile on the bed and talk for a long time. And they felt like they could come there and, and ask questions of us and have discussions. And, and we made sure that they knew that that was open to them. And we need to make sure that we pray with and for and over our children. Uh, I had a practice of praying every time my children left the house. And when my kids started driving, my son had um, a Volkswagen an old Volkswagen, and he was 16, and he stopped to get gas in, in the car before he went to school. And he called me, and of course I prayed, watched him down the driveway, prayed as he went, prayed for them as, you know, pled the blood over him, as I always did, my kids. And he called and he stopped and got gas and he called and said, Mom, I don't know what's going on. My car smells really gassy. I don't know what to do. It just smells like fresh gas. And he said, I'm going to try to make it to school, which wasn't far, but far enough. And then he got to the neighbor's house before he got to school and he pulled over and leapt out of the car because he felt like it was dangerous. And so my husband went and checked it out, and he had a, a manifold leak, I think is what, the, what it was, and the gas was all leaking on a hot manifold. Anyway, it could have easily exploded into flames, but I felt like that God had protected him through that. And then another time when my daughter was going to work, she used to work for the Indiana State Police Lab in Indianapolis, and um, she was on 465 in a lot of traffic a lot of the time. And she had a terrible wreck where a, a truck bumped her into the other lane of traffic. And then she got bumped back the other way and she hit the embankment. And got it. she spun around three times in the middle of the road. And she said when she stopped that the traffic had just cleared a path for her to, to get out of the way. And I know that God kept his hand on her. And so I feel like that when you do that for your kids and show them that you're praying for them and let them know that you're praying for them and covering them with your prayers, that they know that there's a safety net around them at all times. And and I felt like that that was something that I could do. It could be there with them physically, but I could cover them with blood. That is so good. And just may I add, 
you never, ever get out of that stage. You never. Once you enter the stage of praying for your children and covering them in prayer, you don't ever graduate. Until the day you die, you don't ever graduate. I lost my mom a year ago. And she was very sick. It was COVID. So so we were trying to get down there. And she knew we were traveling that day. She had dementia too, by the way, which that's another miracle within itself. But she had prayed for me for so long, for my whole life, me and my brother, until some things are just ingrained. And the cough medicine that they were giving her actually caused her to be lucid. It was the most miraculous thing. And so the last five days of her life were just like she had never had dementia for nine years. It was just a miracle. It was amazing. But but um, she knew I was on my way. And so every time I would call and say, I'm here, we're, you know, this is where we are, what's going on, whatever. And they'd say, it's Melanie. And she'd say, where is she? Tell her I'm praying for her. You don't ever stop. You don't ever stop. That is the greatest way you can serve your family is through prayer. And you never graduate from that. I just want to also add what, what you said, of course, rang so many bells. And I'm sure it did with you too, uh, Roman. You'll get there. We, you've got another phase we're talking about here. No less important. So we're not going don't to. Feel, don't feel left out. You are very much in. But I was, I was thinking of um, several years ago now. Um, many, many, Braden was small. He's 24 and he was very, he was small. He was probably, I don't know, 10 maybe. And, um, it was a Wednesday night and he had gone to children's ministry and it did not go well for him. He had a bad night. And so we, church was over and he was riding home with me and he just cried and railed all the way home. He was mad. He was sad. He was upset. And so I was just did the best I could. The thing is, is I had had a a situation happen that night myself. And so I was not in a good place, but I was, I thought, okay, I've just got to put it aside and, and deal with him because so we're at home now and we're dealing with it. Well, not, it wasn't two, three minutes after we got home. The back door opened and slammed shut and Kendra came barreling into the house. And as soon as she saw me, she burst into tears and something had happened in youth and it was a bad night and she was all upset. And so here's Braden over here and he was just crying and yelling about it. And she was over here crying and yelling about it. And I'm thinking to myself, I have my own problems. I have my own problems. When the back door opened and slammed shut and my mild mannered, never, not easily rattled, very consistent husband walks through the door and throws his keys down on the table. And I said, what is wrong with you? He said, you don't even want to know. And he had had a bad night and had, well, I just stood up. We, and our back door and you go into the breakfast area and then the kitchen. And so I was standing there. I said, okay, all right. Okay. Now was the time I had to serve my family. I said, we're going to circle the wagons. And I, I homeschooled the kids. I said, do y'all know what that means? No, they didn't know what that meant. So I said, well, I'm going to tell you what it means, you know. And I told them what it meant. When the people were going west and they felt like that there was danger coming at them from all sides, they would put their covered wagons in a circle and they'd put their their women and their children and everybody in the middle and they would stand guard on the outside and it was like we've circled our wagons and we are together and we're united and you will not get us i said we're gonna circle well they got that and that has been a family thing we we have circled our wagons many times since then but we called a day off the next day we canceled all appointments we canceled homeschool we packed a picnic lunch and we went to the creek and sat there with the mosquitoes and ate the picnic lunch. But when we left, we were like, you know what? We're family. We're family. And we're together. And there's nothing and there's nobody that's going to destroy our family unit. Folks, you've got to have it. If you're a grandparent raising a grandchild, it doesn't matter. If you are a grandparent and you have children who are going through things, you, you don't have to wait on them. Go in and say, we're going to circle the wagons. We're a family. 
Well, they were wrong. Well, this, it doesn't matter who's right. It doesn't matter who's wrong. We're going to circle it. We're going to put our precious treasure of family and love right in the middle. And we will come against this. Does this make sense? I mean, yeah. Okay. Roman. Roman, the question is, what does it mean to you to serve my family? What does it mean to me? Um, I've thought about this the past few weeks that we've been trying to get things together. Um, and sometimes we, 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 you said it earlier, um, us men, this is not stereotypical. I'm trying not to be. But we kind of think we have to provide, we have to do this at the home. You know, but sometimes we think uh, serving is to be external. You know, take out the trash, wash the car, mow the lawn, um, do the dishes at home, clean my room, things like that. That's, that's my way of serving, you know. But it doesn't really matter what you do rather than doing it with a good spirit um, and having good initiative when doing it. Um, when I think of serving my family, um, it means to specifically follow orders um, or task and do it with a good attitude. Um, I live with my parents right now, you know, so I... There are tasks or there's chores that need to be done in the house. Um, but if I don't have a good attitude when I do them, then there's really, there's not a good spirit and, and everybody's upset, uh, upset, frustrated. You know, my goal needs to be to take pressure and stress off of other family members by completing daily tasks with a good attitude. Um, with my age and my rank in the family, I'm the oldest in the family. Um, it's my duty to complete the chores, uh, take siblings places where they need to go, run errands, etc. Um, so I can diminish more pressure off of my parents as they handle the more tense or more stressful family decisions. Amen. Thank you. What, a, what an excellent answer and how true that is. And let me just throw out here that that has to come from within you. As a parent, I cannot demand that from anybody. You can't demand a good spirit from your children. That has to come from within them. So if it's not there... You pray. Take it to prayer. Thank God. Thank God for such a great young man and for such a great answer. And that leads into this. What are some serving mandates from the word that you have practiced? What are some serving mandates from the word that you have practiced? And this time, Sister Shields, I want to start with you. What are some serving mandates from the word that you have practiced? Oh, my mother was a master at using scripture or songs to emphasize a point. And one of the songs that she would always sing if there was something to be done, everybody put your shoulder to the wheel, do your duty with a heart full of love. So we helped out when and wherever we could and as needed. In Colossians 3.23, it says, Whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. My first memory of service was as a young, young child in Sunday school preparing baskets to deliver to the shut-ins who lived in that neighborhood near the church, and we delivered them as children. We, we went and delivered them. And one of the teachers, when I was a preteen, helped us mend and repair the songbooks that we used at church, gluing the spines back to the covers, erasing marks, and and basically repairing them. I brought one of those songbooks. This is the songbook that our church used to use. And they had, they rested in a bookshelf in the back of the church. And I used to love watching the ushers stack their arms full, collecting them after we had had song service. Um, from a young teen up until marriage, uh, we had... A, conference every year at Thanksgiving or an anniversary service, they called it. And so as teenagers, we girls served the guest. We served uh, three days, two meals, breakfast and a dinner. And so I couldn't wait to be old enough to serve tables and wait on the people that came to eat and to visit. And then they, then they would have, you know, church in between times. I also have played the accordion in orchestra. I've been a choir member, piano player. I've worked in Sunday school or been a teacher since I was 16. Uh, I went every Sunday afternoon with groups to nursing homes with my accordion. Uh, my parents always picked up a young teenager 
girl that was my age and took her to church every week. So I watched them uh, do that and, and watched their service to her. And she ended up getting saved and living for God all her life. Um, physically, I've helped build three churches by helping paint, clean, clean up after the construction sweep, taking food to the workers. And my father donated countless hours uh, to churches, our church and other churches. Uh, he was a heating and air conditioning man, and he donated many, many, many hours. And my mother used to say, well, he'll be paid in heaven for that. Um, I always tried to be submissive and obedient to the pastor. Hebrews thirteen seventeen says, Obey them that have rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they that watch for your souls, as they must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is profitable to you. I've taught crafts and sewing, uh, cooking to a ladies' group for years at another church I attended, and I was editor of the ladies' group newsletter. And uh, as far as helping out a widow, uh, we had an elderly widow that lived near us, and we spent a lot, my husband mostly, spent a lot of hours helping her do small chores. I did some uh, altering of clothes and cooking and mending and that thing for her. So I've tried to always respect the elderly and do that. Um, so that's, that's what I have. I would like to just, um, you may not even consider it serving right now in your life, but I feel that one way you are serving right now, your daughter, you're helping with your grandson. You keep him every day? No. Not, not now. Right, he's in school, but you did? Right? You did. She kept, yeah, you kept him three days a week. There is, there is such a beauty in a grandparent serving their children in that way. I had the privilege of having a mom who helped me so much when mine were smaller. And I cannot tell you what it meant. I cannot tell you what it meant. So don't think... It's a chore. It's your opportunity as a grandparent to instill even more layer upon layer, line upon line, precept upon precept. And if you have that privilege of being able to pour into your grandchildren on a regular basis or however often or irregular basis, take advantage of it. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. So let's go to uh, Roman. What are some serving mandates from the word that you have practiced? Um, growing up, mom and dad have always uh, taught us the importance of respecting one another um, at home and, of course, outside of the house. Um, but uh, dad has constantly gone back to Philippians 2, 3 through 4. Um, and that says, let nothing be done through strife and vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Um, so they've, they've taught us the importance of, um, it, it can't be everything that I want to do. You know, I can't, I can't be so focused on music or on studying something that I want to do or just maybe watching a show or doing whatever I want to do, but I have to be inquiring of what my brother wants, what my sister wants, and what, what they like to do, you know? Um, I can't be interested in everything that I'm doing, but I can be interested in everything everybody else is doing, you know? People serve, and when you serve, you have friends. This is how you make friends. We don't do this as a reward, but we do this because the Bible instructs us to, um, Dad just preached a sermon, not, I'm sorry, he didn't just preach a sermon, he preached this a couple years ago, um, of Jesus and Pilate both washing with a water, ba with a water basin. Um, it begins in John chapter 13, uh, Jesus decides that he's going to ha take on the responsibility to wash his disciples' feet. Um, later we see it's a cool thing, just days later, in Matthew twenty-seven, twenty-four, Pilate 
takes another water basin and he washes his hands of the blood. He says, this is not my fault. This is not my responsibility. So there's two different acts that are happening. Um, Jesus took on the responsibility as a servant and said, I'm going to wash the feet of my disciples, of my peers around me. While Pilate washed his hands free and said, this is not my responsibility. I'm, I'm, I'm releasing that. Um, so the commanding scripture is that we are humble and take on responsibility just as Jesus did. When you are a servant, you take on responsibility. You never grow out of responsibility. Pilate was the head commander. He, he decided who was uh, going to be crucified, you know, and he let the people decide. He said, you know, you said this, I'm, I'm going to let that be. But um, I believe it's important that we practice, especially in my family, that we practice uh, responsibility. And mom and dad, we, we grew up saying, we would say, no, it's not fair. He gets to do that. Mom and dad would beat us if we said that all the time. And we'd, we'd have to put a dollar in a jar every time we said that. Of course, that didn't go very far because, I mean, we didn't have any money, you know. So, but we had to always be responsible. And it's important that even now that I learned that I need to take on more responsibility at my house, um, especially when I have to lead my brothers and sister um, into college and to other points of their life as well. So good. So good. I love what you just said. You never grow out of responsibility. You just take on more. And that's the truth. That's the truth until the day you, that you die. I'm so glad you brought up the washing the feet, the basin. Um, Terry actually preaches this a lot, so I'm going to give him credit for this. This is not my original thought, but it's so true. Jesus washed the feet of those closest to him. And the closest people to us are the people in our homes. So, Tico. Okay, well, Sister Shields, you, you, we're hitting on the same, sub, or same scripture. Um, Colossians three twenty three through 24 says, Whatever you do, work heartedly, as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive your inheritance as your reward. And the last part of the scripture I love, you are serving the Lord. We're serving the Lord. Uh, my mom and dad, they were extremely hard workers. They worked, we, we lived on a farm, we, you know, we, we had livestock, we, we grew co- crops, and it was nonstop. They were always working, and everything they did was for our family. That's, that's what it was about, it was for our family. And there were six of us, six of us kids, and we, that's all we see, seen, that's all we knew, and it was contagious. We, we, want, we wanted to do that. So I remember as like a five-year-old little boy, my dad, he was a super fast walker. And he would walk, and I would, I remember just jumping in his footsteps, trying to keep up with him. Cause it, and he taught, they taught us how to work. And, you know, I came to New Life, it's been 20, it was in 2000, so 20, 21 years ago. I'm, I'm old, Roman. It happened that quick. Really old. But I came to New Life 21 years ago, and I had that in my, I had that, uh, my dad and mom instilled that into me. And I came to New Life, and I saw a pastor and sister Tammy and it was the same thing, extremely hard workers. And everything they did was for the family or for the church family. And, you know, seeing how hard they worked, it made me want to work hard, too, for the church. And, it, you know, hard work and doing what the Scripture says, it's contagious. And it's really, it's really an unstoppable force. You know, you look at what, what God did do more than enough. It's the unity of, of everything, unity of the body and the hard work of the people. Um, so... The, that's one of those uh, things that, that I really try to instill into our, we try to instill into our children, um, is whenever we work, we work for the Lord. We're not working for ourselves. Everything we do, we do for the Lord. There shouldn't be anybody that outworks us whenever we go to our job because we're not, work, we're not working for men, we're working for the Lord. There shouldn't be nobody that outworks us at the, anywhere, anything we do because it's all for the Lord. I got one more thing. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yes. You're doing and, good. You're on a roll. You just take it. <laughs> and as I came to the, the church and I seen to add one more element, and I will give credit to Pastor and Sister Tammy to do everything we do with excellence. It's a huge thing because everything we do, not just to do the work, but to do it with excellence. Oh, that is so true. Um, Wow, such great stuff. I hope you guys are taking notes. Such great stuff tonight. Um, I'm going to actually have to cut something out. My, my, who knew? Um, 
And what I'm going to cut out is the First Timothy five discussion, and you just need to take that whole that whole script, that whole chapter and read it. Verse four is the one that I really want you. Did I t- already tell you that to look up the word requite? Yes, and I also want. No, I said verse eight. Look up the word provide. What did I say? What did I say? I said verse four. Look up the word requite. Good. Look up the word requite. And verse eight. Look up the word provide. Not in the dictionary. Look it up in the original Greek and find out what it means. Also, verse ten for you. Uh, older women that think you don't have anything left to do, verse 10 is for you. So that will be our First Timothy 5 discussion. You, you need to study that on your own. So now we're going to go into our final question of the evening. Um, Roman, we will start with you. Uh, what are some areas, and this is going to be a little different from the final question that I will ask Tico and Sister Shields, what are some areas in which a young adult should continue to serve their family of origin as they establish independence in adulthood? And then we will lead into the second question, which is, what are some difficulties you have encountered in finding the balance between serving your family of origin and establishing independence as a young single adult? So the first question, uh, it's one that you will find on your screens. When I consider this, um, I'm still progressively working on all of these, of course, but I think of it's important that, it's, that we ha- are accountable um, and that we care, especially for young adults um, and teenagers. We can come across of like negligent, you know, all the time. And, and I, I'm daily reminded of that with my parents. Um, but it's important that we care for things. Um, as if they belong to others, you know, especially at my house, in my home, we, we, we make, we are, uh, we are certain that we care for things, you know, and we will, uh, it's known that we do care for things if we are or if we're not. Um, and it's important that we are accountable in everything that we do. Um, I, I go off of three points that I, I've, I've discussed with myself about, you know, number one, if, when I'm making the process to going to, um, what I need to do to serve my family in my house. Um, it's, number one, I have to have the right spirit. Um, if I'm asked to do something, I need to check myself, check my spirit before I go do it. Number two is I have to obviously do the work. If I'm being asked to do something, I, I have to do it. There, there's no way around that. And number three, I have to consider um, other people in the home. I've considered what I'm doing it and who I'm doing it for. You know, if I have to do a task or, or a if I'm jumping in and doing something for my mom, I have to be intentional about it, and I have to be concise um, and strive for excellence in whatever I'm doing, as Brother Tico said. Um, I'll be jumping right into the second question. Okay, so um, the second question, what advice would I give um, young adults, teenagers, or so on, um, starting this family journey? What, what advice would I give them? Um, and if I answer the question that I focused on young adults and my age and teenagers, I would say to constantly remind ourselves or yourself to check your spirit and your attitude when asked or doing tasks. Um, I think it's, it's something that we, I have to work on myself, of course, but young adults in this generation, we have a problem with initiative. You know, sometimes we wait to be told to do something instead of looking around to see where can I serve, where can I where can I put my foot in and do something for my parents, or for my home, for my church, for my pastor, and so on. Um, we may have the right spirit, uh, but we must find the task and complete it before being asked or told. Serving is so much better when we take the initiative before being asked. And I, I believe now, especially now in this time, it's important that students my age and students that are younger than me and even young Marys that we all take initiative and, and try to find something to do. And that's definitely something that I work on daily and I'm trying to work on now for sure. Give him a hand. He needs a hand. <laughs> he also needs to be able to speak to the youth about this. <laughs> I think that, I think that this is, I think this, everything you've said tonight, I, I just think they need to show that video over there so they can hear you. I want to publicly thank you, Roman, for, um, for who you are. I want to thank you for, uh, I want to thank your parents because yes, they, they've raised you right and, and yes, they have, but you have taken it. 
and you have, you have, you've um, internalized it, and you're becoming it. And as a mom whose children go here, I want to thank you. I really want to thank you for that, and we pray for you daily because I, uh, children of pastors have their own special set of challenges, and I think that Roman and his siblings are meeting those head on with grace. And I, I thank you for that. Great job. Great job tonight. So, Tico, let me go to you. Um, what advice would you give midlife families as they attempt to serve both their current families and also give honor to their family of origin? Well, I learned this really quick. And pastor told me this was going to happen, but whenever uh, we got married, we combined two families, basically. So it was definitely, it's definitely a challenge. And it's a challenge for uh, myself, my wife, and the family. But we had two beautiful sets of families, my, my mom and dad and my mother and father-in-law. Uh, my mom, she passed away seven years ago. And she got the Holy Ghost before she passed away. And, and my father-in-law, he passed away about five years ago. And I can't see anything. Uh, they were just wonderful people. And I, it's, it was, uh, but to mesh the families together, it's tricky. But pastor told us one thing whenever we got married. And he said, whoever has the, whenever, in any discussion or anything you do, whoever has the greatest conviction, no matter what, that's where you go to. So it's something that always stuck with us. And... Our parents and our our families, as we try to give them honor, um, we've always done that, and it's it's one of those they've they've always they've always uh, supported in everything we've done. So I think we've been blessed. We were very blessed with our you know trying to serve our our fam- the origin of our family and also raising our own family. I want to just end tonight, which I think, thank you guys. You, you have all three been amazing. And I have learned and I have gleaned tonight myself personally. But I just want to end tonight by saying this. Every family unit is different. Every single family unit is different. My husband and I thought we came from very similar backgrounds. We thought. I came from being born and raised in the church uh, with, with uh, leadership, parents in leadership. Uh, he came from, in Louisiana. He came from being born and raised in the church with parents in leadership in Arkansas. And we thought we were so alike. <laughs> and we were not. We were not. We've had to create our own family unit. We came, each of us came from great families. But we have had to create our own family unit. Now, Kendra and Derek are married. Derek comes from a great family. But Kendra and Derek will have to create their own family unit. And Braden, when he gets married, will have to create his own family unit based upon the input from the girl that he marries and her family of origin. And here's, here's what we never, ever need to forget. We don't need to pattern our family unit after anybody else. We need to pattern it after the word of God. If we try to pattern our family unit after another family unit, we're going to run into trouble. Because that was two families of origin that came together and that merged and that created their godly home based on the word. If we try to pattern after them instead of after the word of God, we're only going to have frustration. Can we use people as examples? Can we say, I want to emulate that? Yes, we absolutely can, especially if it comes from the word, especially if it's something that we can do that is part of our 
own personalities, but to try to be like another family or try to be like another couple or try to be like another family unit is usually pretty impossible because of all the different factors that have made them what they are. So the key is that we have to know the word for ourselves. We have got to be able to go into 1 Timothy 5 and say, you know what? I'm not so sure. I didn't have a great mom. Now, this isn't me. I'm using this as an example. I didn't have a great mom. So I don't really know what a great mom is supposed to be. So what do I do? I go to the word. I go to Proverbs 31. I go to Titus 2. I go to 1 Timothy 5. And and then I say, okay, these are the... who." And you know what? I think that... There is a person in this church that emulates that. They emulate that. They are that. I'm going to talk to them too. Okay, that's how we do it. Don't leave here and say, well, I can't put any of that into practice because my situation is not perfect. I came from an abusive home. I have hurt. I have unresolved hurt. I have unforgiveness. My husband, my wife, we are not apart. We have a we have a split home. We have a blended home. Everybody is different. But the beauty of it is is you don't pattern yourself after anybody. You pattern yourself after the love and the forgiveness and the duties that are listed here in the word of God. And when that happens, when you do that, your home is a godly home. So how do we serve our families? I guess if we have to sum it up tonight, we serve them from the pages of the book. Whatever the book says, that's what we do. That's what Sister Shields talked about. That's what Tico talked about. That's what Roman talked about. They each talked and they pulled scriptures and they pulled emotions and they pulled attitudes from the pages of this book. And when we do that, then we know that when we stand before the Lord, we will hear, well, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And we will know that we started with those closest to us and we will have served our homes and our families well. Amen? Amen. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here tonight. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for meeting us here. And God, I am so thankful that right now I feel grace in the house. I'm so thankful that right now I feel second chances in the house. I'm so thankful that right now I feel hope in the house and I feel faith in the house and I feel a strength in the house that it doesn't matter how long we've done it, how many mistakes we've made, Lord, we can always start over tonight and we can finish strong. So I thank you. I thank you for your mercy and your goodness. I thank you for these people that have spoken to us. I ask that you bless them, that you bless their homes. I ask that you go with everybody in this building, God, and whatever the negatives have been that they brought in here with them, let them know that it is never too late to change directions and change course and to finish strong and help us to serve our families the way that you want us to. In Jesus' name, we ask these things. In Jesus' name, and everybody say, amen. Amen. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. You may be dismissed.